0: Plenty of room for everybody. There's 50 million rental units, and most of them aren't even managed professionally. So until 100% of rental properties are managed professionally, we're not running out of room for people to grow.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Weyla. Today, I have Dave Borden on the show. Dave, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jordan. All right, Great man. I'm talking to you. I'm stoked. I've known you for some time. Haven't had this conversation. I'm excited to get into all things RentVine, PMW, your background. But Dave, really, I want to know about the early days. I want to know about
0: how you became an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, well, I was born in 1972. Is that that, that far enough? Um, my, my, family business is, was property management growing up. I grew up in Colorado, Colorado Springs area, and my dad was an entrepreneur and he was investing in properties, flipping them, selling them. So we'd move into a crappy house and fix it up. And then we, we'd move out and rent it to somebody. Mm-hmm. We'd move into a new crappy house. And, and we did that about four or five times before my mom finally put her foot down and said, we need a a permanent house, which I was grateful for. Luckily, they did keep us in the same school district. Mm. Um, so after, I, I, when I graduated, I, I I went in the military, I went to West Point. Um, when I got out, I flew helicopters for a while. Um, but I always had that entrepreneurial itch, so I pretty much got out as soon as I could from the army. And I went into business with my mom, uh, doing property management. And while we were doing that, the economy was great. It was easy to rent properties. and. Um, but then it turned sour, and that was when I started my first business, which was in the space, which was rentclicks.com, which is now rentals.com. And we, I was basically just looking for a place to advertise and couldn't find it. And so I had one of my classmates from West Point, was a good programmer, and I said, hey, do you think we can build a online rental advertising thing instead of using the paper? And I remember this was 2002. Mm-hmm. So it's 20 some years ago and mm. it just was nowhere. And there was mm. one company kind of doing it and Craigslist had about two cities, mm. like San Francisco, and New York. So we said, "If hey, I think we can be the best at it. And we were, and man, we, sold that, we sold that business about three years after we started it for way too little. Uh, so little advice to those of you that have a good company even though it feels tiring, you may want to... I mean, it's, I, we would have made an extra $50 million a piece had we hung on to that. You know, it's it's still made a lot of money since we left, even though it's no longer the, the category leader. It um, sounds like it
1: was a pretty good ride for three years. It was
0: great. It was a lot and, of fun.
1: And that was your first proper venture? Uh, yeah,
0: basically. I mean, I had a couple... <laughs> I, mean, I had not so, complain too much. You know what? I helped my uh, ex-wife do, like, an herbal pillow business online, okay. which... It sounds kind of pretty pretty feminine of me but it, it 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 helped me learn a lot of discipline about okay. marketing and that kind of stuff online so that' obviously helped but yeah that was my first uh, my first kind of real business and who did you sell rent clicks to um okay it I think I, it was it was apartment guide which was the company was prime media but it's actually I think it's changed hands a couple times since then but it was it was it was the leader in apartment advertising at the time. And were you looking to sell, or was it just an offer you couldn't refuse? Kind of, we were. Yeah, we were pretty. We were pretty tired. Uh, we had really gone hard for, for three years, just really hard. A lot, you know, just uh, you know the deal. Um, too hard, hard, too hard, and it, it just exhausted us. And and it's unfortunate because we could have, you know, we should have paced ourselves a little bit. It was super fun. I had great partners. We got along and made good decisions together, and we were the best. We were number one in the category when we left. Um, Then I got out of the industry for a while and did some stuff I'm not as good at. Some, you know, dabbled in some storage and um, other things. Got into real estate. Um, Got back into, um, got back into the property management industry with the current people I'm with, John, my partner Jonathan Ewan, and yeah, he's fantastic. Um, But we we saw a need. Um, What we did for helping property managers find tenants, which was basically building out a, an SEO process and attracting tenants to a site, and they would call property managers and rent their homes. And it was awesome because they saved a ton of money. It's way easier. Uh, so it was a great product. We're like, we think we can apply that same discipline to the property manager side, helping them get new clients, new owners, which is how they fuel their business. And we had a few people that we started started with, and obviously the, the goal is always, can we be the best at it? And It was very clear that we could be because there really wasn't a whole lot of competition at the time so we built websites we used our seo knowledge we used our conversion knowledge and our you know our pmw clients grow like crazy and uh they're we have like 1500 customers now and tons of sites and and they perform extremely well and we work with some of the bigger companies and uh you know you can any market you search for property managers, you're gonna find mostly our customers and their results. What year did that start on uh, We started doing that about 2008 and we've been doing that for 15 years. We still are, still, we still own that business. Um, and then the RentVine, uh, that that came about. Now, obviously there's there's big players in that space. And like I said, my criteria before doing anything is can we be the best at it? And for many years, I didn't think we could because we didn't have enough resources we did That is a massive project. I mean, the companies were going against our billion dollar companies. They've raised tens of millions of dollars to build their presence. And as a smaller company, it's not that I didn't feel confident that we knew what we were doing. I just I I thought I had a pretty good idea of the workload that was ahead of us and I just didn't think we were ready for it yet. But we had a ton of customers constantly because constantly asking us to do it because I think that our customers recognize that we know the industry, um, that we're involved in it, that our and, and that our that our people care like they they really genuinely care about taking care of our customers, and when they have a problem, you know it's time to fix it. And I told I you know like I said my my family was property management, so I always say hey, when a customer calls us and has a problem, that's my parents calling for help. So you know we got to figure out a way to to get them back on track.
1: So, so, how, so how where in the journey of pmw
0: did it become clear to you that this was an undertaking you wanted to pursue well i felt like we were at a point where we were very solid revenue wise with pmw stable business stable business i we were consistently adding customers and i love pmw it's a great company but i i wanted to do something bigger and i you know i basically had a conversation with john of like hey I love you. I love the company, but either we need to do something bigger together, or I'm going to go do something bigger on my own. And mm. it took them about a tenth of a second. Let's do it together. Mm. And we weren't even necessarily sure that we were going to do property management software because, you know, our develop our development team is incredibly talented. We could build. I think we could build tools for any industry or any kind of software.
1: And you had built other. You had already built other tools like Rent Screener.
0: Oh yeah, we built Rent Screener again. We wanted to be the best screening. We thought we could do that. Um, We have, you know, free rental site was our marketing wing as an advertising site like my old company, but it didn't get traction quite as well. Obviously, there's some bigger players out there like Zillow, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so we struggled a little bit with that. Yeah, uh, you, I, and I had a non-compete with my old company mm-hmm. until about 2011. Mm-hmm. So we wow, were. That's a long. It was five non-compete. years, yeah. I, yeah, you did. yeah, didn't get advised super well on that. <laughs> um, so, so we were trying to figure out what to do, and that's when we got to the websites, and we're like, "Hey, we can do this. It's low hey. There's nobody else that can do it the way we do it."
1: And what was the first iteration? My, I have two recollection, two recollections there. One was that Rentvine was a site that was also
0: formerly an ILS owned by a guy named Dave Dugdale. That is absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> okay so a shout out to dave yeah, he was a, a computer yeah. a competitor of mine OG, back in the red click stage he used to have a gossip column gossip column on his blog do you remember that i you know i remember dave was a little eccentric he's a, r- a real character yes and he's always successful at what he does he's yeah. kind of a lone wolf he likes yeah. to do his own thing but he uh and i know that he was working pretty hard on like some solar project he was doing mm-hmm. and i just contacted him because you know we know seo and uh, RentVine was an old seasoned URL with a ton of previous traffic on it in the industry. Mm. And it's easy. RentVine, eight letters. It's not hard to, it's not hard to remember that name.
1: Cause it was the brand you it wanted was the, it, it on was, a property that wasn't being actively used. I,
0: I tried to get red clicks back <laughs> from the company that <laughs> I said we're, they weren't even using it. And I'm like, guys, you're not even using it as a redirect. Can we please get it back? And they didn't, they didn't let me do that. Um, so I wanted rent clicks, but RentVine Dave wasn't using it anymore. He kind of sunsetted that business, and uh, we offered to buy from him f- for a pretty nice price. And uh, obviously, it's not going to help us tremendously, but it sure. does get us out of the Google box on on you know as a startup.
1: Yeah, and you're thoughtful about the SEO, which makes sense because of your background. The other actual recollection that I have is that the Rentvine product positioning
0: was different initially. You made you made a pivot. We had an iteration of it, and and uh, so we were doing PMW. We were cranking along, and John was a little bored. And we owned the URL, and the original intention was to do a product for like the the individual investor, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just to kind of help them, you know. As you know, a huge portion of our industry does not hire property managers, which is a problem that we would like to fix. Um, So we were just kind of helping them with rent collection, uh, some screening stuff. And the idea there was to then turn those people into referrals for our PMW customers Mm. to then professionally manage, hopefully. Um, But we got burned a little bit on some payment fraud we lost oh. about 20 grand, mm, mm. Some, pay- guy, mm. some guy paid some money, uh, t- charged it back and we ended up getting hammered on it and we we just kind of decided we don't, again, we don't have the infrastructure to pay attention to this right now so we, we shut that down and got back full bore on PMW and then a couple years later is when John and I had the talk of like, hey, let's do something bigger or let's, you know, let, let's, or I'm gonna do it myself." And he was like, let's go. So
1: walk me through some of the strategic considerations. There's a part of this plan that involves a fair bit of audaciousness. Mm -hmm. There are many companies doing this that are much larger and you're going right through the front door saying we're doing that too. It's a head-to-head play. Seems a little crazy. But obviously that's what entrepreneurs do.
0: Well, the good news is we're also asking them to do the most miserable thing property managers want to do, which it's is switch <laughs> So in addition to all the other things you said we have that. Uh, we have that that lurking over us as well. So. so with all that as a backdrop, what about it made you say, Hell yeah, I want to go after that? Well, again, I I think we can do it better than anyone else. And I wouldn't even start if I didn't think we could. And I'm not as worried about our competitors resources as i am about whether or not we have the talent in our team and the perseverance the persistence um and i think that we had a pretty good idea of what we were in for and it's been 10 times harder than what we thought mm. so we uh, uh you know you know that you have an established, you have established companies that have customers that don't want to switch if they don't have to so mm we are under pressure to have a a better product you know i think elon musk said he's like people are not going to drive teslas unless they're 30 40 percent better Mm -hmm. than what's already out there and i think we have the same we have the same uh challenge and but i think the approach that we've taken is is the right one and i think that we're going to be able to do that i think we're going to be more than 40 percent better than our competition and our goal is by by next next year at this time i just want people to be saying Oh, you haven't switched around mine yet? What's wrong with you? It's uh it's it's the product we need. That's
1: a that's a big aim. Let's talk about the problem space. What are the specific problems that you were really focused on that you felt you could win on?
0: The biggest one is the sharing of the data. Um, you know, I are we built our product on an API. So when our front end accesses our product, it's using the same api that we've made available to everyone else so the only way to really truly share data between software applications is through an api and in order for that data to be consumed accurately from the source manipulated by whatever other application it is and sent back into the source accurately is through an api that's the best one we have so far um so we knew that um Opening people's data to whatever program they wanna use is the right way to do it. Now that doesn't mean that we don't strive to have efficiency building products within the category inside the software. We have an e-signature product that is fantastic. We have maintenance that is great. We have screening, marketing, we have all those things. And I think we can build those pretty well, but I don't think that we're always gonna be the best at it. And if we're not the best at it, I don't feel like we should preclude our customers from using a better product and making it easy for that product to talk to that product. So, I mean, we've had inspection companies and and, uh, you know, workflow companies like you guys and aptly and some of the other people that have they've built integrations that we don't even sometimes we don't even know about because instead of having two companies have to get their dev staffs together and and figure out the puzzle, use the API. And we just say, if you have a customer that wants to do an integration with with somebody, go have them provision you an API key and build a build an integration. Uh, you know, we have ten thousand or plus endpoints, so we haven't fully documented everything. But if somebody wants to do an integration and we need some stuff do- uh, documented, we'll we'll add that. We'll we'll move it up in the list of getting it done. So, I mean, obviously we have great support. I think we have incredibly talented developers. The product works really well, but seamlessly sharing data between softwares, because do you think anyone's gonna be able to build one product that's gonna service this entire industry? Right, exactly. Is there, is there one industry on earth that that it's one software, I mean, there, there probably is a couple, but I mean, Netflix, and I thought Netflix won, and now there's 15 other streaming services too. So So. there's
1: a couple of different schools of thought around what the property management software should do. Mm -hmm. And that really is emblematic of the approach. One would say it should do everything. So right or wrong, can or can't, aspirationally, it should be the goal for the PMS to consume and do everything under the sun. The other school of thought would say that the PMS should do a subset of things really, really well, and then open up and pair and connect with other best-in-class vendors. I hear you saying that you're building a lot of in-house existing functionality, but you're also looking to uh,
0: just integrate and connect with best-in-class vendors. That's correct. So, the whole purpose of a of a accounting software is all fifty states have regulatory requirements on handling the public's money. They have to do it in a trust account. They're subject to audit at any time. They have to be licensed. There's certain requirements. Um, and that's the primary goal of the software is to help them meet their regulatory requirements. Um, otherwise, everyone would just be using QuickBooks because that works. But property management is a unique industry that has a lot of other issues. So, if we can, so our focus, and I don't know about all that other stuff, you know, our focus is we have to be the best accounting software, it has to pass muster on ledgers and auditing and if a state regulator comes in and looks at our customers books they have to be rock solid i know we're there um then the goal is can we provide efficiencies to the customer on helping them run their business in other areas tenant screening leasing e-signature maintenance Mm -hmm. there's workflow there's a million things that property managers want to do and we have to pick our battles and the battle that we've picked is accounting we want to be the by far the best at that. That is a non-starter if we can't win that. Next for us, because of customer feedback, is the next thing they do that's the hardest is maintenance. And there are great maintenance providers out there, but half of our customers or more don't use a third party. So we have to have excellent maintenance software. So that's our secondary focus, is we want our maintenance product to be top-notch. And then we pick our battles. After that, I mean, the e-signature was nice and easy. We got that done, and it's kind of locked in. Screening we've always done really well. We just built the rent screener experience back into, mm-hmm. um, back into RentVine. We actually have standalone screening on RentVine, so they can still screen with RentVine, which we only, we had a ton of other platform customers that used our screening in the past. And we, it's rent Screener's an older technology, and we wanted we want to sunset that product and move those people into RentVine but we didn't want to lose them. So we had to make RentBine, so we've made Rentvine available as a screening only for those people. And, and we know, we'll find once they get in the software, start poking around, they end up, a lot of them end up coming over to us anyway. Um, so it, to answer your question, I would love to be able to build every single piece of the industry perfectly, but we don't have time for that. So in order to accommodate the customer, which is who matters, um, you have you you can't tell them we'll have something in six months or a year or a year and a half because they want to use it now, but we can have an integration in mm-hmm. six hours or six days or however long it takes the dev staff of the company that you want to integrate with mm-hmm. to build a to to build an API integration, and then you know you can you can use that part uh, again. It's not our data, and I think that there's been a a you know, the industries felt a little held hostage by the fact that they don't feel like they can use their data how they want to. Absolutely. And we wanted to make sure that we, we were the company that, that was going to free their data to be used by other applications, however they want them to be used. Mm-hmm. You know, the customer's in control of that. And we're not going to shut anyone down for, I mean, obviously if anyone's going to do an integration that causes us issues or breaks our software mm-hmm. or something, we have to police that. But as long as they're using the software the way it's intended, the API the way it's intended, we don't feel like it's our, uh, we don't feel like we have the ability to take customers' data that they're paying us to to manage. Okay, where it can go? And then go. hostage with it, sure. to where they have to use the products that we built that may not be as good as the products that somebody else built. That's like- not, that's not, I, that's not their. It's not their job. It's, it's our job to build a better product. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, then they need to be able to use the other ones. It feels like the only rational approach, particularly in light of
1: how much outside capital and innovation is bubbling up in this
0: industry. And stopped bubbling a little bit lately. We,
1: well, well, a bit, <laughs> a bit. Yeah, sure. That's fair, but overall. How long have you been in the industry? You said since
0: 2000 I've been in property management, you know, obviously since I was... All right. Probably, let's call it 2000. That's when I started... 2001 is when I started working with my mom.
1: Long enough to see as much of the story arc that I'm familiar with, yeah. how things have changed over time. What what have you felt? What's What's been your sensibility of what it's been like, let's say, over the last three years in particular, where it felt, feels like there's been some acceleration, bit of crash now, but overall... I've,
0: Way, there's just way more spotlight here than there has been in the past. Well, I feel like the industry has pretty, rap, pretty rapidly accelerated for the last 20 years, ever since I've been in it. Um, you know, the NARPM, just NARPM is an example, which, you know, that's why we're taping this, is at the- uh, Broker-Owner. The Broker-Owner Show here. Um, the first, first trade show I went to at a NARPM event, there were five vendors. It was like three tables and five vendors sharing the the national conference. Maybe fifty people, sixty people there. Wow, that was twenty. That was that was almost twenty years ago. I mean, in Atlanta, there's probably going to be a thousand property managers and a couple hundred vendors, maybe mm-hmm. hundred at least. So, and it, that, it has a it, and it's grown gradually over that time. And I just think there's a there's a lot of it's an underlooked industry and always has been, because our customers spend an absolute fortune, whether it's on real estate or maintenance or whatever it is, they spend a fortune, and there's just I mean every month there's if there's fifty million rental units that pay a thousand dollars in rent, that's fifty billion dollars a month in rent. <laughs> so and that doesn't even include maintenance. Um so did I do the math on that right? Close enough. Gonna check. A lot of money. All right, it's a lot. Um the maintenance is you know, they spend you know, one percent of the property's value on average is spent every year on maintenance. So if you have trillions of dollars worth of real estate, how much is one percent of that in maintenance? Um, and then having the kind of Wall Street or private equity or whatever um, quest to be able to scale everything and be able to manage all of that, uh, I think that's shed a lot more light on the industry. It's made it a lot easier for people to manage more properties with the same or fewer staff and be more profitable. And that was kind of the problem when I was in it early on, is it was extremely hard to be profitable. It still is, but it's becoming a lot easier as the the software mechanisms are in place to facilitate and automate a lot of the, the formerly manual tasks.
1: And also as the sophistication and the IQ of the conversation has come up, what shifts have you seen in the conversation in our industry? Abstracted from technology or any one specific
0: vendor, what, what are just some of the shifts in thinking you've seen? Well, obviously the, I I think what I hear most from customers, from the property managers themselves is that they're either, they're concerned about, you know, institutional money flowing into the industry. And Mm -hmm. I tell them like, that's not a concern. That's awesome because it makes whatever you're doing more valuable. If, if there's a lot of, uh, spotlight on the industry, if someday you do want to exit, then there's going to be, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, it was a lot harder to sell your business. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I don't know how, if the multiples are worth it for some of these people or not, but now there's... I could rattle a of 10 money. people right now that are actively Absolutely. acquiring management companies. And and so if they want to sell, there are buyers. So exiting your business is significantly easier when there's a lot more attention on the industry. Um, the, the products that people... Whenever there's money to be made in an industry, money flows into it mm-hmm. to figure out a way to do it better. And I think that there's always going to be room for the small operator and there's always going to, and there's going to be the bigger operators too. And I think that that, that's been the biggest worry that I have heard. And I just tell them like, there's plenty of room for everybody. There's 50 million rental units and most of them aren't even managed professionally. So until hundred percent of rental properties are managed professionally, we're not running out of room to, for people to grow.
1: It does feel like that the concern about being disrupted has been overblown. It does feel like it's been a concern about something apocalyptic that just hasn't happened. And we're in a downward cycle right now, not necessarily for property management, and property management I think is flourishing and it's great mm-hmm. timing. But for folks that are trying to raise a lot of capital to do something big and deploy it and roll up a
0: market, et cetera, a little rougher. It just got a lot harder for sure. Yeah, it did. Well for us i mean we have companies that are always reaching out to us and we've we have you know we've funded the company mostly with our own money we have raised some money from friends family some people in the in- industry that are that are smart um, and and so we haven't been as reliant on those external valuations and we also have a very profitable business in PMW mm-hmm. that has helped us to fund our growth as well so we're not as concerned about um, the valuations, because I know they'll come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's just cyclical stuff. And I think fundamentally, if you're growing your business on plan and on budget, and you, you know what resources you need, that's the way to do it. Uh, so relying on the market to be robust and busy when you need money is not a good strategy. Mm. Um, Sometimes it's the only strategy you have. I mean, it's an audacious task what we did, um, but we've done it. I think financially very responsibly. Um, not that our competitors didn't, but they had a lot more resources to tap into. So we we feel like you need to get as profitable as fast as you can. Um, obviously, there's stuff we want to do. There's things we want to build faster than we are. Sure. There's salespeople that we think we can get to the market better in marketing and all those things that that we want to do. Um, but the growth is the growth is pretty much where it should be right now.
1: What I admire about what you're doing is that you're taking an existing stable business that is cash flowing. And there's this weird irony where cash flowing businesses are the magic and the lifeblood of stable entrepreneurship. And yet for high-minded finance people, Wall Street people, oftentimes it's it's boring. It's not interesting. Mm-hmm. We're looking for a thousand X returns. Triple triple, double double, all that nonsense. And they're just two completely different games that operate by different sets of rules. But you've managed to take the cash flow and deploy it in a new opportunity that has a massive amount of upside. Tell me how you how how you were thinking about um is that basically what was in your your mind's
0: eye to Well initially that's what we did. And um we were pretty, we were confident that we had enough there, but like I said, once we got into it, and, and like I said, I think we had a, I didn't think we had any illusions about how hard it was going to be, but obviously it's we did. <laughs> so, uh, so it was harder. And as we were building the software, like I said, we, like I told you before, we, we we worked on software for three years before we even had anybody, before we were even able to beta anybody. Mm. Um, so obviously, you're taking resources from the other company and maybe not doing quite as good a job there as you could be doing. And then we just came to a point where, like, hey, we need a little bit of help. And we went and talked to friends and family and raised a few bucks. And then we raised a few more bucks. Um, but it's been, I think it's been about the, the amount that we need, that we always try to raise the, the right amount and be as financially responsible as we can. Um, and you know what? We're, we're surprised at how many people are behind what we're trying to do and, and we're interested in, in participating. Um, So that's flattering and it's nice. Um, And those people are usually a lot easier to deal with than than a venture capitalist or a private equity firm or somebody that wants you to grow at all costs. And we want to grow too. I I want to be a thousand percent return for those Mm -hmm. people that trusted us, but we also have to be responsible. And I think that we're able to do both.
1: So you're kicking off a, a new game here that could last 10, 20, 30 years. You're starting something that has a lot of potential to really pull you in. I've started multiple businesses, and when I was doing so, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to try things or the novelty of it. I'm just looking for a horse that's going to run as fast as possible, the, the longest, biggest race as possible. And I feel like you I, I'm assuming this is it for you. You've identified, like, this is the thing that can really go all the way my question for you dave is what are some infinite games in business that are abstracted from money what is like what uh what way of being what thought what orientation within the business gives you a lot of joy and fulfillment that is divorced from simple you know roi
0: capital returns it's a pretty complicated question jordan um you know i've always gotten a pretty big thrill out of Helping somebody grow their business, make it easier, um, and like I said, it probably goes back to some childhood stuff with my, you know, my parents, and you just want to please them. You want to make them happy. You want to, you want to, you know, get an attaboy. boy. Yeah, and I'll true. tell you, like Jonathan in particular, uh, you and my business partner, half the time I don't even really have to pay him. He just likes to hear people say, "God, your software is awesome." So uh, there's a little bit of that that goes into it. We love to see a company that that's trusted us with their money to, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, on the PMW side to help them grow their business, yeah. and then they actually start getting customers and yeah. making more money. And they're, you know, they, we come to trade shows and we get hugs. Uh, that's the same goal with what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we, we would love to make tons of money, mm-hmm. um, but you know, there's only so much you really need, um, and the, the the fulfillment is. Doing something that nobody else is just doing it, doing it the best, mm. being the best at it, mm. and getting the recognition from the customer that, hey, this is this is good stuff that you guys are doing, and and we're starting to hear that a lot. So it's every entrepreneur needs a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. What's yours, Dave? I don't know. Um, I've always been extremely competitive, and you know when i started my first business we were the leader and we just crushed everyone and and we you know that was that was fun this time we're like the you know we're like the undrafted free agent coming into the game and you know we want to go to the hall of fame you're coming from the european so, league into the NBA. <laughs> yeah so we want to we think that we have the talent in yeah. house yeah. and the pedigree to do what we need to do mm-hmm. um and it's it's exciting to start to see see it start to happen but as far as like the timeline goes we're 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 in it for the long Our haul. early days i've already sold a business too soon <laughs> and left a lot of money on the table and I, and also that that business i had a incredible team internal that could have run that company and we could have kept it so i mean there's a million ways to exit a business but that's probably the, what we're looking at for this one is we want we already have incredible people and we have leadership and. If we ever decide we don't want to do it anymore, we feel like we have enough people inside that can that can that can take over. Um, so we're definitely in it for the long haul. How do you get the most out of your team, Dave? Well, what we do, and we we take care of our excellent performers. Um, I think every single year on someone's work anniversary, we generally give them a raise. And if we misfire, we we fire immediately. And what that does is I think it fosters a culture of excellence that, you know, it's a little bit... You, it, the people you're working with are excellent. And if you have an underperformer, they don't appreciate that. They don't appreciate seeing somebody that's not rowing, getting their paycheck on the same consistency that they do.
1: I.e. dragging other so people... So we
0: bail immediately on People that are not a fit, mm. what, no matter for whatever reason, we take care of them, give them a nice severance. Um, but our culture is one of uh, it, it's it's truly excellent. I mean, we have not we've had one person quit in in the history of Rentline. Um, we've had some people that we moved on from, um, but like I said, we we recognize talent and we reward it as, as best we can financially. And when we miss, we move on. Um, we also, I think by example, we're doing the work. Uh, John is nobody's nobody can outwork John period. Um, I go to every single trade show that I possibly can. I'm talking to customers, I'm finding out what they need mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the perception internally is that we're willing to do the work mm. and so are they mm. um, it's it's a it's a nice environment. I'd like to take a minute to talk to
1: the vendors that might be listening. Folks that are new to this industry, that are coming up thinking that property management looks like a a great group of people to target. My observation is that when we come here every year, there's a subset of vendors that are killing it. They're really balling, they're felt. There's other folks that are a little avoidant at their booths hoping that somebody does not come talk to them, hoping people are interested in pens and swag. There's a wide chasm in effectiveness as a vendor in this space. I look at you as someone that I would say is, sometimes I make up, you're almost getting disproportionate credit relative to how many customers you have. When people go (laughs) online and they say, what property management software for you? I see, right, 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 And I'm doing the math and I'm like, I think I roughly know how many companies you guys have. That's It's not quite proportionate. So like something's happening there. What is it? I know some of it's probably the fanatical customer service. You guys have really cultivated a reputation. I think about people like Mitch Creighton, for example, that's like emblematic of like immediacy, right now, what advice and what feedback do you have for vendors for what it looks like to create enduring value and to reap enduring disproportionate rewards?
0: Okay, that's a great question. Um, this applies to to your relationship with your customer as well as it does to the relationship with you know we just talked about with your employees and your your people on your team is number one, genuinely care and if you can't do that just forget about everything else because you can't if if you think for one second that someone can't genuine can't tell whether you care or not Mm. you're completely wrong whether you're trying to sell them something or whether they work with you Mm. so if you care about the lives of your employees and you care about the success of your customers step one Mm. okay then there's a lot of other stuff, so check that box off if you got that. You're good to go, um, and eventually you'll get there. Then next is you gotta you gotta stand up in your booth. You gotta talk to people. You gotta you gotta talk to them as if you don't care whether they use you or not. You know they're not they're not a paycheck walking by your booth. They're a person with a with a business that they want to grow and a bunch of problems that they're hoping you can solve, mm-hmm. and If you care about them and your product actually adds value to their life, you're pretty much there. If you're willing to be persistent, work your ass off, sleep late, pull all nighters—the stuff other entrepreneurs Um, do—but those two things, you got to—you have to care. And if you're just in it to make money and and drive a Ferrari, then might not be the right the right reason. And then your product has to add value. It has to, you know, Napoleon Hill. You have to, you know give more value than you than you get paid for Mm. and if you do those couple things i think that's the that's the start and then the rest is just perseverance hard work toiling learning getting better at the industry getting smarter knowing more people and a lot of that stuff you just can't do unless you have time and you know i tell my my sales guys like i've been doing this for 20 years i can i know who that is here here's Mm -hmm. here's who these 20 people are look that's Mm -hmm. yeah whoever and and so I have a different level of uh, of communication than they can, but that's only because I've been doing it for so long and you just can't buy that. So you have to start with those two things.
1: Sometimes I find myself wishing I could export a little floppy disk out of my brain and put it in yeah. so some of my new, new team members' brains, just on the relational context piece alone. That's so-and-so, here's what they're doing, here's the background, here's the, here's the connection to these relationships. It's reps, it's time, you don't know where it's gonna go. Having hundreds of conversations that you just don't know where it's going to go, but if you're there on a long enough time horizon, you things th- you see things converge towards your goals. That's some some great commentary towards vendors. Follow up question for that is what you do for yourself when it comes to personal development, your own learning, your own education.
0: Have a tremendous amount of conversations with people in the industry of all sizes. Vendors, I I, I talk to a lot of people. Um. But I also listen to a ton of books, and not just like traction and good to grade and those. I I listen to like George Washington and. Tell me, tell me. Well, these are. There's, there's, there's only certain things you can glean from somebody that wrote a book about doing a business. Which, not to say that they're not qualified, but. Let's face it, they're making more money on their books than they are on their business. Okay. And they may have done the research from people that actually are doing businesses, but um, I listen to people. I listen to like those people because, you know, George Washington, I will never face none of us will ever face a tenth of what that guy faced. Birthing a brand new nation. And the perseverance and dedication required to continue with what he was doing. Is it pales in comparison to what what any of us try to do on a daily basis? A history man, g- give me give. Let's I went g- to West Point. You know, much of the history they teach was made by people they taught. I love it. Give me give me one anecdote of like an axiomatic moment for uh, Washington,
1: like something you feel like is illustrative of like how you want to be and show up.
0: Uh, gosh, Valley Forge. Well, it. Okay, so. Let's look at Washington. I'm sorry, I, uh, he, he's a wealthy, wealthy man. And he would be perfectly fine with continuing to make tons of money. Doing nothing. Doing nothing, being part of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. But he decided to go a different route and risk everything. I and mean, when you say everything, it's not just money. If they would have lost that war, he would have been hanged. So that's pressure, okay? Um his troops were getting paid half the time. They weren't getting fed half the time. he mm-hmm. was freezing. Barefoot. His teeth were always rotting and falling out of his mouth. He was always in pain over his teeth. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a cavity or a something that's not it's, persistent. Uh, it's just had wooden teeth, teeth. Right? It Just it kind of pain, back, sure. knee, leg, whatever pain that's just so uh-huh. overwhelming that it's taken over your brain and ability to think. And he persevered through all of that despite what he had to lose and then you know the another the better one is probably lincoln i mean he had 50 times to where he could have just said hey let's let the south do their own thing but he's like it's not right we need to abolish slavery we need to keep the union together got to keep going even though you know it almost cost him his job and it ultimately cost him his life um so you know, look at guys like that and we just have nothing to complain about Washing no challenges ahead of us. Like
1: they did. amen, champagne problems. Washington returning power from the military to the civilian. And giving up
0: the presidency after two terms. G- a, and giving up a potential kingship. People don't do that. At the outset. People don't give up power unless they have to. Or no. It's it's rare.
1: That's beautiful. I love that that additional dimension. It makes sense with with your background.
0: <laughs> History lesson today. We diverted into uh to a history lesson. But that is where I draw a lot of like- Your inspiration. No, I'm like, wake up like, oh gosh, I'm having a bad day, I don't wanna do anything today. Okay, well, maybe I should just surrender Valley Forge and let the British take over and we'll-
1: (laughs) You're gonna be the guy. Yeah, you're gonna be the guy that surrenders? No, not today, (laughs) not today. One more, yeah. And a lot of of it is staying in the game. And I do feel some resonance with you, even though our careers and background is so different. I do feel resonance with you around playing the long game. Just staying here. The simple stuff that you articulated over years, if there's anything I've learned, it's the
0: business compounds, and it, it gets perpetual. And once you build a great structure, it just keeps going. Even sometimes you wonder how some businesses stay in business and it's mm-hmm. just because the momentum has been created. So if you can get it there, it's, it's
1: nice. And there's the possibility for growing and, and playing a bigger game. Yeah, The parlaying that you're doing right now is really interesting because, again, you've identified this far into the game a new game that can have another 10, 20, 30 years of life to it. I think that's as much as you can ask for, is to find a really worthy problem. Not a cheap problem, not something you can solve quickly, but something that's going to require big something one. of you and out of you that you don't yet possess, but if you stick with it, you might be able to become the person that could, like, fully ride that horse to the finish line.
0: Yeah, I... I'm not a good build for a jockey, but uh we're ready to <laughs> Well John and I no. just told each other oh, we we've got we've got at least ten more years than us uh doing this. So we're we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I love that. So one of the things I wanted to chat with you about was your involvement with NARPM over time, which has been significant and considerable. Mm-hmm. for both of us it's been a huge gift, both relationally as well as for the business. Um, in terms of your organizational involvement and in what the organization is doing itself to grow its user base and to perpetuate more property managers. What's the what's the landscape that you're seeing for professional property management? Everybody wants there to be more professional property managers. Are these numbers going to move, man? You think we're going to see some shift? Here,
0: You mean in the like the membership roles, the growth? Membership roles, membership roles, but I guess
1: I would open it up just more broadly to a transition towards a higher percentage of true professional property managers. It's the lame, the lamentation of our industry, mm-hmm. self-management, et cetera. I'm curious to get your take on, on what you see is really gonna actually shift that long-term.
0: Well, as with any industry, there's always gonna be your, there's gonna be people that do it better. And whether you're an attorney or a real estate agent or a, a teacher, sure. or whatever it is, there's people that that do it better. Um, as far as narpm goes, I think the, the training and just the ethics alone. So, back to my story, I was always a good guy, but I wasn't. I, I you know, I did when I went to West Point and had ethics crammed down my throat, whether I wanted them or not. Mm-hmm. It changes who you are, mm-hmm. and there's certain people out there floating around in the industry that think it's okay to do certain things. Um, It's not. And I think the ethics alone Mm -hmm. makes NARPM like- uh, Absolutely. Absolutely worthwhile. In order to thrive and grow, then it's like the the software. Mm -hmm. You have to do the accounting well. You have to do ethics Mm -hmm. well. Now, what else can you build into it that's gonna bring value to the people that are operating in the industry? And I think they've, for the most part, done a pretty good job of that. I always think they could do more. Um, you know, I think, I don't know what the number is, 15 or 20% of property managers are NARPA members. I would love it if 100% were, because I'd make a lot more money, because yeah, they'd you know. be here at the shows, the shows would be a lot bigger. I don't think it's 15 uh, or 20%. I think that's—I think, think I, it's less. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we find new 2,000 unit managers that we've never right, heard really. of before all the time, and I'm like, why aren't you going to NARPA, how, can we, how right. have we never heard right. of you? It's so With, profoundly helpful. Um, So I think the industry is going to continue to grow. Like I said, there is somewhere between 70 and 80% of people that own an investment property that don't hire a property manager for whatever reason. Whether they don't trust us, they think it's too expensive, or they just don't have any knowledge of the industry, that's going to change. I think politically we see a lot more pressure on landlords to make less money, to be nicer to tenants, to... Uh, you know, legislatively makes is, it's being made harder to be a landlord. So I think that uh, I think that our customers are going to gain. Either those people are going to sell those properties, or they're going to turn them over to a professional because they don't want to deal with the not only the hassle but the potential of losing everything through legal lawsuits and that kind of thing. So there's literally unlimited growth in the industry when. 70 percent of it doesn't hire a manager so whatever the industry has now it can get that much bigger over time and there's i think everyone's finding newer better ways to make money and as the business becomes more profitable more money will flow into it bigger better software will be built and they'll be able to do their jobs faster and stronger just like all, any other industry that has a ton of money banking wall street the technology comes in and things get automated and profit margins go up that's going to happen it has happened over the last 20 years. It's gonna to continue to happen. Hmm. So I, I think it's a, a great industry to be in and it's getting better.
1: Let's wrap on legacy. Dave, what do
0: you hope to be remembered for in the industry? Um, that I cared and I brought a lot of value. And the the stuff that we did was, was meaningful. And hopefully it'll last long beyond beyond me. Um, so that's it. I, you know, said I care and we want to, we want to be the best at what we do. which are you, is beneficial for our, for our customers.
1: You've got a good track record. That's far, thus far, if that's your aim and I'm appreciate confident that. it'll extend into the future. Appreciate the contributions that you're making, everything that you're doing and that you're playing a big game, man. I, I like being with people that are playing big games and I appreciate no, seeing you doing that brother. I appreciate your time. These help a lot. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Take care. Until next time. Yep. Jordan here asking you, what do you got? What is a question you want to ask me? Can you stump me? Can you throw me something hard, perplexing, vexing, something you feel tied up in knots with? Throw it at me.